What does the year ahead hold for drones and other emerging aviation technologies? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. There's no longer any question about whether unmanned aircraft systems, or UAS, will one day become a familiar presence in the national airspace system. The drones are here to stay. In fact, an entire industry is essentially waiting for the regulatory environment to catch up, as it were, in outlining how to safely integrate such vehicles in the NAS. And business aviation is going to be a key player in this arena as well. In fact, our industry has had a voice in this process for more than 15 years through participation by NBAA personnel in several working groups tasked with adapting drones to the NAS without compromising the safety of manned aircraft. In 2019, NBAA took this a step further with the formation of its Emerging Technologies Committee to specifically address the role of drones, advanced air mobility, and other near-future technologies in our industry. Committee Chairman Brad Hayden, founder and CEO of the commercial UAS maintenance network Robotic Skies, was recently appointed to the FAA's Drone Advisory Committee, or DAC, that will help shape the UAS environment. It's a very exciting time right now for, for the emerging technologies uh, industry as a whole. We're seeing uh, additions to, for example, for the Drone Advisory Committee for AAM, uh, eVTOL, basically uh, air taxi, autonomous air taxi vehicles, and as well as we're seeing a lot of regulations that are starting to hit the uh, books regarding, for example, remote ID and as well as uh, operations over people. So it's very flattering and quite an honor to be included on the Drone Advisory Committee, particularly at this juncture of the industry. So what will your role on the DAC be, Brad? I'm representing the hardware component manufacturers. That's the uh, designation that they, they gave me to represent on the Drone Advisory Committee. But it's really more than that, I, I feel. Uh, I'll be representing the interests of the maintenance industry through uh, my own company's involvement in uh, unmanned aircraft repair and maintenance, as well as a lot of the work that I'm doing on, on standards creation for ASTM. But the really exciting part for me is representing uh, the needs of uh, the business aviation community. We all know that uh, drone operations, commercial drone operations, are very similar in goals that we have with the manned business aviation community. And so being able to leverage uh, the expertise at MBAA from, from the staff as well as the Emerging Technologies Committee about what they see as potential roadblocks, potential opportunities, needs and goals of the of the business aviation community uh, and how it relates to emerging technologies, particularly uh, in relation to what we're seeing with drones and regulations, is going to be a really critical part of what I'm hoping to achieve on, on the committee. Obviously, the number one priority is the priority of the DAC, which is the safe integration of drones. But again, I see that there's a lot of other aspects uh, of what we're doing from uh, uh, an industry standpoint that will be uh, uh, my job to represent as well. Also joining me today are Heidi Williams, NBAA's Director of Air Traffic Services and Infrastructure and NBAA Vice President of Regulatory and International Affairs, Doug Carr. Heidi, it sounds like now is an important time to have business aviation represented in a group like the DAC. Certainly, Rob. We're truly excited about Brad's involvement on the, the DAC. And, uh, you know, to date, we, we have had involvement. We have a couple of members that actually sit on the DAC who also are on our Emerging Technologies Committee for NBAA. 
And, and we've been involved in the drone safety culture tasking that, that has been ongoing through that task group. But there's, there's just so much that traditional aviation as NBA members are intimately familiar. There's so much they bring to the table with regard to history and context and especially airspace operations, right? And, and the maintenance side of things. We have decades of history steeped in a safety culture in risk management that quite honestly, new and emerging technologies like drones really can benefit from those decades of experience. And it may not always be an apples to apples comparison, but there are many lessons learned as we're seeing even on the remote ID final rule that that just was released, that it just speaks to the benefit of that history and lessons learned that this industry has already had the benefit of kind of working through and that we can bring to the table integrating these new emerging technologies. And you just mentioned one example of why such a collaborative industry regulatory approach is so important with the recent publication of the FAA's remote ID rule that goes into effect in March. What was NBAA's involvement in that process? So we saw that issued at the end of 2020, at least announced, and then we saw it actually hit the Federal Register just a few weeks ago with the implementation this year or some facets of imp- implementation this year. NBAA's Emerging Technologies Committee was really crucial to our policy and position that we put forward in our comments to that proposed rule. We did see that the FAA took some of those concerns into account but there's, there's still a, a, some work to be done specifically around the areas of privacy and security. But, but maybe before we, we go there, just a, a couple of the things that we were concerned with. The final rule is it's a great starting point. So we're, we're thrilled it's on the streets. It does introduce maybe some, some concerns that haven't been addressed, as we said, but we do f- view it as a, a good launching point. But specifically, the one concern we've, we have remaining is that location data for the drone control station be available to just law enforcement security agencies and, and certain safety agencies. Right now, the rule allows that data and information to be shared with the general public. So I think we have a wealth of knowledge in that exact issue of privacy and security. And it's one area that, that our own Doug Carr has years and years of experience in. And I would love for him to kind of jump in and share again, why are traditional manned aviation and the history that we bring to the table could probably parlay into this remote ID role and strategy moving forward. Sure, and, and thanks, Heidi. The privacy and security issue is is definitely one that I think our, our listeners would appreciate our history on. We've been in the middle of this for clo- over two decades, and what we have seen is that there's always benefit to more data, but there are also unintended consequences to more data. And we've seen that start really in the flight tracking arena as the benefit of FAA's flight tracking data being shared was really understood. It really also identified some of the vulnerabilities associated with it. And so over the years, we've we've worked with the agency, in this case, the FAA, to build programs that effectively mitigate uh, some of those security concerns while ensuring 
that those with a legitimate need to know, which I would offer is most likely any branch of government, law enforcement, FAA, security, whoever it might be, there's no reason we should be concerned about which government agency, even local governments, local law enforcement having access to that data. But we have seen that where that data becomes broadly and publicly available, there will be those who choose to do something unsavvy with it. And we, we have documented cases from years of working in this where People have taken action based on knowing where an aircraft is going to be, when it's going to be there, and that has introduced some real physical security concerns. The programs that Heidi and her team uh, have worked on with us over the last several years as we work to an ADSB mandate that started at the beginning of last year really have attempted to address those ongoing concerns through the LAD and the PIA programs. The final rule, as Heidi mentioned, introduces a positioning mandate for the control station of a UAS drone device that will actually tell the public who's operating a device and where they're physically located. And in some of the feedback we've had from the FAA and they've documented in their final rule, the agency has suggested that there's sufficient public laws elsewhere that should be sufficient to prevent this kind of interference but I think history is a good example of where that hasn't always been the case. And we'd like to try and prevent it from happening before problems actually exist. So we're hopeful that through continued engagement with the FAA and the, the technical standards bodies that we're able to find a way forward that allows some of these privacy uh, and physical security concerns to be addressed in a way that continues to meet the objectives of providing that location data for those that have a need to know, primarily the government, so that they're able to tie the device with the operator, especially for those that are that are not operating that device in compliance with local and, and federal statutes. We'll have more in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, you get your weekly news here. Are you getting the latest daily headlines? The NBAA Insider Daily News Service puts the news you need in your hands every weekday morning, free of charge. Don't miss out. Subscribe today at nbaa.org slash daily. We're back now with Doug Carr, Heidi Williams, and Brad Hayden, and our discussion about the FAA's Drone Advisory Committee and what we can expect to see regarding integration of unmanned aircraft systems or drones in the year ahead. We just discussed why this kind of engagement is so important on issues like operator privacy. Brad, I know that safety is another focus area for NBAA's Emerging Technologies Committee. How might the lessons we've learned from operating manned aircraft, such as implementation of and adherence to safety management systems, carry over into the UAS environment? You know, what MPAA has done is really, through the Emerging Technologies Committee, created a venue for industry really to bring issues to the to the forefront that are facing them today and and even facing them later on as the the industry continues to develop and obviously safety is a, is a big aspect of that i like what heidi said earlier you know we can't just apply all the manned aviation safety concepts into this new emerging technology arena just because it's really not an apples to apples comparison. For example, drone aircraft or smaller aircraft, they don't pose as much risk, generally speaking. So you want to be able to apply the safety aspects without stifling the industry. And that's really the balance that we've constantly been looking for, I think, as we look at these next gen aircraft that are integrating into the airspaces. How do we really encourage innovation while at the same time 
really instilling a safety mindset into these uh, into these OEMs and in, into these operators. And along those lines, that's exactly what the committee determined was something that we needed to explore, which was this whole idea of SMS, uh, how it's used in manned aviation today, and how that can be integrated into unmanned operations uh, that are currently flying and those that are going to be flying in the future. And so along those lines, we've done some education within the industry, including a series that we've posted up on the MBAA website, uh, which basically introduces SMS, what it means, how it can be applicable to this emerging technology environment. Also, installations within that series around how to develop a UAS safety policy. What is risk management and how can we apply that to this industry? And how can we take some of the you know safety promotion, basically build it into the culture of an organization? All these things that we're very used to in manned aviation, but figuring out how to really tailor them so that they are relevant and, uh, and work well within this emerging technology arena. Those exact same approaches are going to work very well on the DAC. I think we're already seeing it. They've, you know, an operations subcommittee, for example, it's already exploring exactly those types of issues. So I think this is going to be very applicable to the work that we'll be doing on the DAC in addition to what we're already doing with emerging tech. And again, back to this idea that we've created this venue for industry to be able to come to NBAA, talk about what's on their minds right now. And then NBAA can, in effect, say, yes, this is how you can address this today, but also how we can take the learnings that we have from manned aviation and and apply that because this young industry may not be thinking about a lot of these topics. I think what Doug and uh, um, Heidi are talking about regarding privacy is, is just a great example. And again, I think it's going to be very important for this committee to be able to convey these concerns and then be able, as a committee, working in conjunction with MBAA to come up with some ideas on how that can be addressed. I think Brad is spot on. And, and you know, we, we really tried to take our own advice in developing these UAS SMS resources because we have a safety committee at NBAA that has done amazing work in the SMS world and has put out some fantastic resources. We use that as our launching point. We, we recognized Emerging Technologies Committee recognized early on. We did not want to start from ground zero or develop something in a vacuum. We went to the safety committee. We worked with them. We made sure that they reviewed those resources and were part of that development process. So we really are trying to live by that philosophy that that we do learn from the traditional manned assets and resources that we have, even in our membership. So that's been a really encouraging way of developing these resources. We're just not doing it in a vacuum. And Rob, this is Doug. Heidi and uh, Brad are spot on in that. On the SMS front, uh, that that can't be more of a front and center topic for the FAA these days as the administrator continues to focus on SMS as a priority, having SMS on the radar as, as the Emerging Tech Committee looks to all of the different facets of what integration looks like is going to help make that community viewed much more highly within the agency, within other components of the aviation industry, as these devices start finding their way into the airspace that we're all going to need to share at some point, that SMS focus will, will pay substantial dividends down the road. 
So, Doug, what might we expect to see in the rollout of UAS throughout the upcoming year, and particularly from the FAA in terms of regulations governing their use? Well, I have to give the FAA some, I think, well-deserved recognition in that they've tried not to get too far ahead of the industry in terms of how they're regulating components of the emerging technologies world, especially on the drone and, and AAM worlds, in that today they are looking at Uh, supporting these operations in terms of exceptions and alternatives to the rule, rather than building a whole rule that may or may not actually meet the needs of the community. And I think from that unique individual perspective of what each operator is seeking in terms of capability and, and authority from the agency, they're building a great database of what does this what does this emerging world of, of drones and, and electric aviation really need from a regulatory perspective so that when it comes time for that rulemaking, it's informed by data rather than, I would say, just simply gut instinct or perspectives, which I think will, will produce a much more useful product for, for the industry going forward. Brad, what are your thoughts? Well, like I said earlier, you know, this is, this is truly an exciting time. Um, the FAA has made it clear that more complex operations beyond visual line of sight, drone delivery, et cetera, are really going to hinge upon us getting remote ID and, and ops over people put in place. And, and now that we're seeing those rules hit, I think we're really going to see an acceleration in the industry. And it's, it's worth noting, too, that you know, we're already starting to see drone delivery. Uh, we're seeing that happen uh, both in the in the test sites as well as uh, even some instances out in the general public, which is very exciting. And that's being supported by a lot of, again, traditional aviation rules. So we've got drone delivery operating under Part 135, which incorporates a lot of the safety aspects that we've talked about earlier. And that's requiring uh, type certified airframes as well. And uh, we've got, I think, the latest tally is 10 airframes that are going through type certification. So they're getting over the hump of those initial certs, which will make uh, the follow-on certs that much easier. So I think we're really going to start to see a a lot of momentum build up uh, just in this coming year and and beyond. And it's it's because, as as Doug mentioned, the FAA did not get too far out ahead of industry. They really looked at what industry was going to require, what some of the unique aspects of industry are, and how they can figure those into the rules as opposed to just trying to force a rule. So, uh, you know, I think between that and what we're doing um, for standards creation with offering, you know, means of compliance, uh, you know, performance-based methods of, of achieving safety and achieving uh, operations, I think is, is really going to also support a real uptick, if you will, in, in drone activity over the next year. Heidi? I absolutely agree. So Doug and Brad have offered some excellent insights and perspectives. I'm aligned with them completely. It is about the data that's being collected now. BV loss, I think, is going to be front and center the coming year. I also think there's a lot of work around advanced air mobility, AAM, and and what's going on through NASA's workshops and and their AAM activities, as well as FAA's activities, they've developed a CONOPS on UAM. So there's just a lot going on in this space. It's an exciting time. I think we're going to see uh, proliferation and, and integration of these new emerging technologies in the system, especially, as Brad said, with cargo and delivery already uh, occurring in the NAS. I think we're going to see some exciting things in the next year. So I think we're all going to be a part of that and we're going to stay tuned and 
share the excitement. And I would add too, uh, it's going to make for a very busy time for our Emerging Technologies Committee. So we expect lots of new topics to be coming up within our team. And we're very excited to be working with NBAA to, to uh, accomplish those goals. You can stay up to date about the NBAA Emerging Technologies Committee's work to ensure the safe integration of drones and other advanced aerial vehicles by visiting nbaa.org slash emerging tech. And you can learn more about the FAA Drone Advisory Committee and the agency's other UAS initiatives at faa.gov slash UAS. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.